What a blessing. The Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms, song by song, and we find ourselves in Psalm 111 this morning. We'll see if we make 111 and 112. Last week, I did a big no-no, and I ran over in the second service by 10 minutes. It was crazy. I was just having a good time, and I look up, and it was 1238. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So uh, i got to make sure I keep an eye on that clock. All right, Psalm 111. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, I do thank you for the Gideons, and we thank you for allowing us to support so many missionaries and for all the missionaries around the globe that are supported by so many people. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of missionaries out there spreading the gospel because people are sending them, people are supporting them. And so, Lord, that's we're senders. Not all are sent, but we can all be a part of that process of being a sender. And so, Lord, continue to give us wisdom. What what should we do? Should we stay at 15%? Should we go to 20? Should we go back to 10? What would you have us to do, Lord, for your glory? It's your money. It's not ours. We just try to make the best use of it to pay the bills and salaries and those type of things. So give us wisdom that your funds will be used wisely and efficiently. And, Father, we thank you for your word. And that your son is high and lifted up, even this morning in so many Bible-believing churches, Lord. Again, we just thank you and praise you for that. We don't know how long this is going to last. For your son said he's coming back. And that is going to get really bad before his return. And would he find faith when he returns on the earth? Would he find agape love on the earth when he returns? We want to be a part of that remnant, Father. We want to be a part of that group of of believers that continues to love people and that continues to rely upon the word of God, the faith that is found within these pages. Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching this morning and that you would be glorified in and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the next two psalms are called Alleluia Psalms. As they begin with, praise the Lord. Notice in Psalm 111 there, praise the Lord. Notice that, caps, praise. Not just, "Eh, praise the Lord. Not under your breath, oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They come from two, Hillel, which means Yah, and praise, they come from Hillel, Hillel, and then Yah. Praise be to God. The psalmist was doing what Philippians 4.4 instructs us to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now I know that this is in the word of God and I also know this is hard to do. We're human. We have emotions. We have feelings. We have highs. We have lows. This is reality. But again, as we're going through the Psalms and as we're going through these songs, we want to remember that this particular hymnal book Book number five was written and brought together during Ezra's life, which is roughly 450 B.C. 
The Babylonian captivity is taking place and they're now heading back to Israel, heading back to Jerusalem. And so as we read the psalm, we want to keep it in the, the context of the text. These people are saying, praise the Lord. Why? Well, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Did you guys see that? Did you notice the commitment there? With my whole heart. I have a question for you. How many times do we give God half-hearted praise? And if that, for what he has done for us. You see, whole is the inner man, the mind, the will, and the heart. And it's so easy to take the Father's blessings for granted. But here the psalmist knows, over those hard years in Babylon, 70 plus years, that nothing should be taken for granted. He is going to give his all to the one who is restoring all. And he is going to do it in the presence of what? All the congregation. Notice there in verse 1. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Question again. Can you identify a time that God has restored someone or something in your life? During the meet and greet, a gal came up to me and said, Three miracles happened this past week. And she shared very quickly what happened. That's what this is saying. That she didn't know I was doing this song. She didn't, we didn't plan ahead. That's the Holy Spirit. You see, we get things restored to us and we forget. Oh, I did that. That was my conniving. That was my manipulation. That was my business skills. That was my intellect. That was my prayer life. That was my Bible reading. That It was God. It was God. Give God the praise. Yes, we do have to do our part. You know, we can't sit at home, close the drapes and not do anything. We do need to do our part. Are you, another question, are you sharing that with others? Are you sharing that with others? You see, the psalmist here is sharing what's happening in his life. And notice what he says here. I will. I will. I'm going to do it. Not, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. What's there to pray about? God did something special for you? What is there to pray about? Share that with somebody. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of prayer. Give him the glory he so deserves. Because your testimony, your testimony can be such a blessing to someone else. So share a restoration story with someone this week. I encourage you to pray about it. And you share after you've prayed, specifically to God lead me to someone. I can guarantee you he will lead you to someone. Someone will cross your path. It might be in a store. It might be at the gas station. It might be in your workplace. It might be in your family, your neighbor. But I can guarantee you he will. Because people need to hear that God's alive, guys. People need to hear it. They, do you, I don't know if you watch the nightly news. I don't watch it. 
But when I used to watch it, there was nothing on there about God. It's all anti-God. And that's what people are listening to on a regular basis. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. Is there really good news on these programs? No. They need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about God. And they need to hear that you personally, personally, something happened with you personally. Can they deny that? No, that didn't happen to you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just lying to you. I was making it up. No, it happened to me. And all of a sudden they realized, whoa, you mean God is real? Yes, God is real. You see, you never know how God is going to use that testimony in your life or in the life of someone else. And you may never, ever hear about it. You may share that. They go on their way. You go on your way. And when you get to heaven, you're going to hear about it. You'll find out why. Verses 2 through 6. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. Notice that. First thing. The works of the Lord are great. So as we've been studying the Psalms, you know, you might think about the Red Sea, the Ten Plagues, the 40 years in the wilderness, the, as, as Darrell is doing a great job on Wednesday night, Pastor Darrell doing the Joshua, the study of Joshua, you might think about that. And we forget the simple things in our lives that should be great. That should be great. Because guys, we're blessed. When you look at the rest of the world, if you are looking at the rest of the world and not worrying about your 401k, when you realize what the rest of the world is having to do to just survive a day, we are blessed. We are super, super blessed. We're actually spoiled, really. We're spoiled. And God is so good to us. Again, how often do we look at something and say, wow, look at that. How did they ever build that? You know, when I go into buildings, a lot of times I like looking around. I, I'm in th- I love looking around and seeing how things are built. That's just something that really intrigues me. And I just step back and go, man, that's amazing. How did mankind figure that out? How does that work? That is just so amazing. Yet when you take the time to really look at all of God's creation, you guys notice the rain the last few days? Praise God doesn't happen every day like in Seattle, but praise God. Have you guys taken the time to notice that the trees, and again, this is just me, it's just that the trees are actually growing. And then the next two to four weeks, they're going to grow six to 12 inches. Did you notice that your, your flowers from the 110 degree days are now going, ah. It's only 80 today. I mean, they're not really saying that. We know that. But they're blooming. They're beautiful. That's God's creation. But are we too busy to even recognize the simple things? I mean, what did Jesus say? Even Solomon, even Solomon in all of his glory, and Solomon had a lot of glory, was not arrayed like one of these flowers right here. Disciples, Peter, Matthew, look at this flower right here. You see this flower? Take time to look at this flower. 
Solomon wasn't arrayed like this flower. You think Jesus was just doing some filler? Oh, God, I kind of ran out of things to say. What should I say to these guys now? Oh, there's a flower. Hey, guys, come here. It wasn't filler. He was making a point. Don't forget the greatness of God. And even the most simplest things, what we would call the most simplest things of our lives. Because, guys, God is great. God is great. The next thing I notice is that God's handiwork is appreciated by those who look for it. Notice that. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. Now, for me, landscaping, I have pleasure in landscape. It might not be your thing. Whatever it is your thing, do you see God in that? Do you see God's handiwork in that? For me, it just happens to be I was raised on a farm, manure, plants, you know, it was just the way it was, animals. So it's like, I just appreciate all this stuff. It's amazing. Life, death, dogs getting hit by cars. What do we do with them? Take them out back and bury them. What else are you going to do? Let's get another one. Okay, we'll get another one. Life goes on. I mean, that's just part of life. But there was an appreciation for the dog. There was appreciation for the cat, the cow. Thanks for that steak. It was a wonderful steak. Like pigs. Yeah, bacon. Love it. Yeah. Praise God. Chickens don't have to kill a chicken for an egg, but they do taste good on the barbecue. You see, if a person doesn't want to find God in his creation, if a person doesn't want to find God in his creation, they won't. They won't. There is no God. Wow. You got more faith than I do. But they can't give a good answer for all his works. But you see, when you and I, when we take pleasure, and that word pleasure there means delight. I encourage everyone in this room, no matter how old you are, this week, take a moment to delight in something. Take a moment to delight in something. Whatever that might be, just take a moment and stop. Leave your phone in the house. Get out of the house. You can't say, oh, it's 110 outside. Leave your phone in the house and get out. Or put your phone outside and stay in the house. Whatever works for you. Turn it off. Do something with it. Turn off the TV. Turn off the internet. Do whatever. But just get away for a few moments and delight in the Lord. Delight in Him. Notice. And it, it studied. Studied. Guys, we're so busy in our careers. I'm plenty busy around here. Plenty busy. I have to take time to study. Not for you, for me. I don't do my daily devotions for you. Sorry, I'm not thinking about you just the way it is. I'm thinking about me. And yes, you may come to mind and I may pray for you, but I'm thinking about me. Why? Because I have a desperately wicked heart. (gasps) Yeah, I hate to break it to you, but I have a desperately wicked heart. And so do you. It's what the Bible says. Get over it, wake up, acknowledge it, and do something about it. Stop whining about everybody else. As I heard this past week from somebody, I'm like, oh my goodness. Sending me emails and and spewing out nothing but faults about somebody else. And I wrote him back and said, you might want to look at yourself and you might want to look at these verses. And he wrote me back and said, well, I guess you didn't... 
Grow up, man. Suck it up. Kick yourself in the pants and get right with Jesus. Because, man, you are host. You are so focused on your little woes. Verse 3, his work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endures forever. You see, not a lot of man's work is honorable. Today especially. I mean, there are things that we can't even talk about. Movies that we should, we should not be going to. And this has nothing to do with legalism. It has to do with Christianity. There are things that we should not be viewing. And that we should not be talking about a mixed company. I mean, I was raised old school. My dad's 99 years old, still alive, can still remember his childhood. Unbelievable. I hope I don't make it that long. But man, I was raised old school. And there are certain things you don't say around women. And that wasn't Christianity. That was just in the world. Well, then let's bring that into Christianity and bring it to the Bible. And there are certain things, yes, you, you know, you don't say amongst even anybody. Because it's not good. But what are Christians doing nowadays? Endorsing so many ungodly things. Well, don't get legalism. Don't bring legalism. Please don't ever throw that at me unless you have a really good reason because I'm going to blast you. It has nothing to do with legalism. It has to do with be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. Don't throw the legalism thing at me. Because most people don't even know what they're saying when they use it. Be holy, for I am holy. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forevermore. You see, God's righteousness will endure forever, even though we see the standard. And this is so important for you and me today, guys. Even though we see the standard of what's right and what's wrong is diminishing rapidly in our culture. And I'm not taking sides, but what happened the last month or six weeks over the whole Supreme Court thing, if you just step back and just look at that morally, practically, biblically, I think we've slipped a little bit over the last 40, 50 years. Maybe just a little bit. A lot of bit. And is that going to stop? Welcome to America. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. As you're turning there, I'm going to read verse 3 again. His work is honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. And the word endures means to stand, to remain, to establish. Well, what does 1 Peter chapter 1 say? Since you have purified your souls... In obeying the truth through the Spirit. Do you guys see that? That's legalism. Is that legalism? (laughs) That's called a holy life. That's called following Jesus. But for some reason, people think that sometimes when you bring things up about reading your Bible or praying or being in church attendance or being in a men's Bible study, man, you're just getting so legalistic. Sorry, I'm encouraging you to get closer to Christ. That's not legalistic. For in, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. You guys hear that? 
Love one another fervently with a pure heart. And again, I mentioned it in my prayer, and I wasn't planning on doing it. I'm not, I wasn't planning on doing this right now. So Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus said, when he returns to this earth, when he returns to this earth, is he going to find agape love on this earth? Who has agape love? Does the world have agape love? No. Only Christians have agape love. Because agape love can only be had via the Holy Spirit indwelling me. I don't have agape love apart from the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to give me love for my wife, for my children, for my grandchildren, for you all. I need the Holy Spirit to do that. It's impossible within me to do it. But as I surrender to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does that, and then outflows the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So guys, is that a warning? Again, is that just filler? Did Jesus just say, well, you know, I think I'm going to throw this out there. It doesn't mean anything, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Nothing better to say today. No, it's a warning for you and me as believers. Right before his return, the love of many is going to grow cold. The agape love, the godly, sincere love of many is going to grow cold. Guys, we've got to guard our hearts. 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Forever, 2,000 years later, guys. Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago, roughly. And here we are 2,000 years later. Is the word of God still here? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you love God? Yes. Do you love the Bible? Yes. That's why you're here. You're not here because of me or anything else. You're here because you love God and you love the word of God. 2,000 years. What else has survived 2,000 years? The word of God. It's the word of God. And it's going to survive forevermore. Because, Peter goes on to say, all flesh is as the grass, and all the glory of man is the fl- as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And that's why we're here this morning. So that we can hear and learn the word of God, not just on a Sunday morning, but that we can hear it on a Wednesday night. But then we're doing our own private devotionals on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even Sunday. I did my devotions this morning. I didn't do my, I did my study, but I also did my devotion. Because again, guys, I need to hear from the Lord. How about you? Are you any different than me? Or you got it all together and I'm the only one that doesn't? I know the answer to that, but I just wanted to ask it anyways. Now this is the word which the, by the gospel was preached to you. Back in Psalm 111, verse 4, He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. You see, the enemy would love for us to look back. Would love for us to look back to see all of our failures. When you guys are having an argument with somebody, what do you typically point out? What do I typically point out? 
do I, do I point out all the wonderful things they've done in the last week, the last month, the last year? Or do we just have that tendency, well, you, well, you, well, you, well, you, well, you. It comes quite naturally, doesn't it? Especially in an argument. It's amazing. It's amazing what can roll off the lips in an argument. But the Lord would have us to look back to see all of his blessings. Seventy years in captivity. Seventy years. No temple. But now we're going back to rebuild the temple. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. People just pillage. We can't even live within Jerusalem. But as you ladies are studying, Nehemiah went back and rebuilt the walls. Now it's a safe haven again. And so what is the psalmist saying? He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. God, I remember you. Even through our mistakes or our poor choices. God, I remember you because you are so good. I was the knucklehead, but not you. You were so good to me. And God, I just want to thank you. I want to remember your grace. You you are so gracious to me. God, you are so full of compassion. And here's a, here's a clue for your walk, for my walk as a Christian. Do you want to be more gracious? Do you want to be more compassionate? If you do, then look at how gracious and compassionate God has been with you today or yesterday or this week or this past month or past year or past decade. And as you give him praise, God, thank you for showing me grace this morning. What a knucklehead I was. Then when you cross the path of another knucklehead, what are you going to do? You're going to show grace. Because you just remembered how gracious God was to you and how compassionate God was to you. that's, That's the way it works, guys, with godly attributes. We have to look at our own lives, give God the praise. He has given food to those who reverence him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. Notice, his covenant. He was the one who made the covenant with Abraham. Abraham wasn't seeking after God. Abraham was an Arab who was idol, who was an idol worshiper. That's fact. God sought him out. God said, I'm taking you. If you want to go, we're going to go to a land. I'm going to make a nation out of you. Okay. I'll go. That sounds good. Let's do it. He has given food to those who reverence him. He will be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works. Are you guys noticing some direction here with the psalmist? He's pointing a lot to God, isn't he? Man, he's pointing a lot to God. How about you and me? In giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are verity. The word verity there is stability, trustworthiness, truth. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts, his teachings, his word, all his precepts are sure. The word sure there in the Hebrew, it means to build up or support. To stand firm. They they stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. 
He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. You see, the Israelites received from God what they deserved due to their rebellion to God's word. I just encourage you to write this down because most of you know this. You may have it memorized. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap, man or woman. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, notice capital S, will of the Holy Spirit reap everlasting life. You see, God's word is dependable and will bring us through every trial imaginable. And this is unfortunately not a truth in many Christians' lives. They'll run to and fro, and at the end of the day, they'll finally say, oh, I guess I should pray. I've tried everything else. I guess I should pray. No. First and foremost, pray Be in your word on a regular basis, knowing that the word of God. In verse 8 there, it says, they stand fast. The word of God stands fast. Those three words in the Hebrew, they mean to lean upon or take hold of. To lean upon or take hold of. In dealing with what I've already mentioned to you about this email situation, Accusation, accusation, accusation. And when I get home today, I'm going to address this with this gentleman. Where do accusations come from? Can anybody give me a Bible reference verse? In Revelation chapter 12. Aha! Verse 10. Got a winner. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them. This is you and me right now, guys. This is happening in heaven right now. Who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So when you get in the mode of accusing somebody, to try to defend yourself. I'm not talking about church discipline when we need to actually bring something to the forefront and deal with it. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about ranting and raving and accusing and maybe trying to get the focus off of you because you've got a problem, but they got a bigger problem. You're now playing into the enemy's hands. You are now in the camp of the enemy. You're not being led of the Holy Spirit. You are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're saved and you have the Holy Spirit within you, but you are not being led of the Holy Spirit. You're being led of demons. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed, but you can be demon-oppressed. And if you want to go down that road, the demons would be more than happy to help you accuse, 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 accuse. Instead of doing what? Repenting, 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 getting in the Word, asking for forgiveness, seeking forgiveness, just doing the Word of God. Guys, we have choices as believers and we got to stand fast. We got to stand fast. You see, the psalmist acknowledges that it was God who redeems the person and he does so because of the covenant he made with Abraham, as I mentioned earlier. It's not based upon a covenant made by man to God. I promise to work hard to please you, God. And you might even be here this morning. There might be one person in this room 
who doesn't understand that we're not here this morning out of religion. We're here this morning out of relationship. And you might be here thinking, if I'm just good enough, God will love me. I want to tell you right here, right now, God already loves you. He sent his son to die for you. It's about relationship. You will never be good enough. Never. It's only Jesus who makes us good enough. And again, you guys know these verses, but for this one person who might be here this morning, this one person, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Even the faith that you and I had to receive Jesus as our Savior, I can't say that was me. No, that was a gift. That God said, I'm going to give you faith. Do you want the faith? Would you like the faith? Yes, I need faith to receive your son. And I accepted that faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. None of us in this room, no Christian can ever boast about how good they were to get saved. You will never be good enough. In verse 10, Psalm 111, The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom and good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forevermore. You see, guys, as the music team comes up, there is a healthy fear of God that comes through consistent reading of his word. And the best way to learn about God is to read about him. You see, people typically have an unhealthy fear of God because first, they don't have a relationship with God. That was me. I was raised in religion. I went to church every Sunday morning. I had a very unhealthy fear of God. Very unhealthy fear of God. That was me. Secondly, if they do have a relationship with God, so they are a Christian, they are not learning about Him through His Word so that they might reverence Him for all that He's done for them. You see, when you study the Word and you just realize, God, you have done so much for me. You are so holy. I just love you because you first loved me. You see, that's a healthy reverence of God. It's not a fearful example of owner-slave, but a loving example of father and son. You see, when you and I, when, when we acquire a healthy fear, you really start to grow in wisdom because you start to listen more out of a desire to deepen that relationship. So slide is up there. Let me read this again. The reverence of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forevermore. I know you're here because you want to grow in wisdom. And a lot of times we think about, well, that's buying a car or buying a house or investing in stocks. Yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, that's, that's all stuff, yeah. But no. Wisdom. How to live my life. How to, how to take care of my family. How to take care of my neighbor. How to do things that, that other people might not do because they're not believers. They don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling. Guys, we're unique. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Our neighbors don't. If they're unbelievers, they don't. We shouldn't expect them to be Christians. You know, they might be nice. They might wear ties. white. You know, they might look nice. They might say, wow, they, they do pretty nice things. But not when it gets down to it. Let me tell you. They can't. They don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. 
You and I, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And so to acquire that healthy fear, we need to start growing in the wisdom. In what? The Word of God. The Word of God. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, we thank you for being so good to us, so faithful to us in so many ways. Lord, help us this week to slow down, to even stop. Whatever that looks like in our lives, that might be at 10 o'clock at night when all the kids are in bed and there's no distractions. Lord, help us just to stop. Maybe go out and, and look at the moon. Look at the stars. Look at the heavens. The heavens declare your glory. Father, whatever that looks like in our lives this week, help us to stop and to study you and your handiwork. To to study your word. To give you the praise you so deserve. For you have brought us through so many trials. Just as the Jews here that are going back to Israel to rebuild the temple, to to start sacrifices again, to, to give you the praise for what you have done. You are such a good God. Help us, Father, to also share that, that restoration story this week with someone. Someone specific. Lord, I, I pray that you would use all of us this week, somehow, some way, to share a restoration story with another believer or unbeliever, but that we would share it. Even as we read this morning, that we'd maybe share it during the meet and greet time or after the service or at the men's Bible study or women's Bible study or midweek or home fellowship, whatever it might be, Father, that we'd bring it to the congregation and we would say, my God is great. Look what he has done. Father, we thank you for this time. And we ask your blessing upon this week as we go out into our mission field, Lord. Use us, please. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? Didn't get through two psalms, so we'll do it next week. God bless you guys. Have a great day. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Have a blessed week, guys. If you didn't receive Jesus, if you need Jesus this morning, please come up and receive him as your Savior. We'll be up here to pray with you. God bless you.